Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Hallelujah. God bless you. Get your Bibles and go with me back to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four, and you will find us at verse number 11, verses 11, 12, and 13 in the word of God. Ephesians chapter number four, verse 11. We're so blessed today to have Pastor Creasy and his congregation with us this morning. Come on, give God a praise for them. They're building a work in Greensboro, and the Lord is blessing his church. I'm so excited. Thank God for you, sir. Thank God for your wonderful congregation. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11, the Bible says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want to talk to you today from the subject, grow to it. Tell somebody, grow to it. God bless you. You can be seated. Grow to it. Grow to it. If the church has a problem, it is the problem of immaturity, immaturity. Too many cases of people who are simply spiritually, and if I could be very candid, sometimes emotionally immature. It's immature. You know, there's a difference between being childlike and childish. Amen, somebody. Now, we all should be childlike. Jesus said, except as you come as a child, um, you don't have any part in the kingdom. And that childlike is the ability to believe and the ability to listen, the ability to obey. That's childlike. Childish is different. That's when you act like a kid, when you ought to be a grown-up. Come on, somebody. That's when you pout. Come on, somebody. That's when you behave in a manner that is inconsistent with what God is doing in your life. Childish, you seek to get back at somebody, and so you have a na-na-na-na kind of attitude about life. That's childish. And some of us in the church, if I could be honest, and I don't mean to be insulting, but just honest, are behaving in a childish fashion. Honesty, 
forces us to acknowledge that we should be further along than we actually are. I'm willing to admit to you that um, I've made some decisions that delayed my progress spiritually. Anybody want to be honest about that? Made some decisions. Got wrapped up in some stuff, got wrapped up in myself, got wrapped up in some scenarios that delayed my spiritual progress. Paul talked about it like this in Hebrews chapter 5. For when, for the time we ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The church has, excuse my expression, dummied down its spiritual thinking to the point that the only thing we respond to in some cases a praise breaks. Come on, somebody. Now, we, we were dancing and worshiping, so I'm not beating you up about that. But between the praise breaks, you got to have some word. Come on, somebody. And, and, and the word is not always going to make you dance. Sometimes the word is going to make you think. Sometimes the word is going to force you to examine behaviors. Examine attitudes, examine disposition. Sometimes the word sends you home crying. Okay, come on. Anybody been in the car and you, 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 you didn't want to cry in church cause, but you knew you were guilty of sin. So you waited till you got to the car and you cried all the way home because you knew, Lord, who told that preacher all of my business? Who shared all of my stuff? But that's the word that will cause you to grow. That's the word that will cause you to mature because the goal is to become like Christ. And what is the desire of maturity? But except I want to be like Christ. I want Christ to be seen. I want Christ to be exhibited. I want Christ to be exalted in my life. And I want to grow to a place of spiritual maturity. Well, you can't really talk about maturity till you really pinpoint and identify the signs of immaturity. And there are many, but I'm just going to focus in on just a few. The first three are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, and you can read that at your leisure. But they are envying. En Everybody say envying. When people can't be blessed around you without upsetting you, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. You know, there was a time, excuse me, when we could celebrate the blessings of God in the lives of people. Somebody got a job, everybody shouted. Somebody bought a house, everybody shouted. Somebody got the Holy Ghost, everybody shouted. Because we were taught that you rejoice with them that rejoice. And now people get blessed and legitimately, and sometimes for good reason, don't tell their blessings. Because they're so afraid to anger somebody that just is jealous of what God has done for them. But if God is blessing somebody around you, that's a reason for you to get excited. Because that means God is moving in the mist. Just look down your row, across your row. Just look at somebody beside you. Just tell them, I'm blessed. 
Now, a praise should have followed that. So we're going to try it again. Look at him and say, I'm blessed. Okay, practice makes perfect. Look at him one more time and say, I'm blessed. Now, give God praise because they just told you that they were blessed. And I ought to be comfortable. Oh, God, hear me, saints. I ought to be comfortable with my brother or my sister being blessed and it not bother me. In fact, it ought to excite me that God is blessing in our midst. Ought to excite me. Ought to excite me. But envy is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Strife is a sign of immaturity. When you find yourself competing with people, when you find yourself pretending that you're somehow in some kind of a race and, and, and you can't let them get ahead of you in life and you can't let them get ahead of you in success and you can't get, let them get ahead of you in accomplishments before you feel like you've got to compete with them, that's strife. Now, I'm not against excelling. But your excelling doesn't threaten me. Okay, that went over somebody's head. Your success doesn't threaten me. In fact, I want you to be everything God needs you to be. And it's not going to make me uncomfortable because you know what? God's got a path for me. And when you know that God has a path for you, you stop worrying about other people's tracks because the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. There's an order to what God is doing. There's a path to what God is doing. And it doesn't bother me if you're moving this way. Because you know what? I know God doesn't love anybody more than he loves me. Okay, everybody don't believe that. I don't believe that God loves anybody on the planet Earth more than he loves me. And the same way he can bless over there, he's going to bless right here. Same way he blessed right here, he gonna bless around the corner. Same way he blessed around the corner, he gonna bless down the street because God has enough for everybody. So why are we competing? Why are we competing? Third sign of immaturity is division. And it speaks so much because sometimes the most divided place in the world is the church of Jesus Christ. We, we divide ourselves over doctrine and really is more dogma than doctrine. And we'll divide ourselves because somebody does something differently than what we do. Jesus said everybody that wasn't against me was for me. You know, I, I, I really struggle with fighting preachers. When you fight everybody, when do you have time to fight the devil? Come on, somebody. You're fighting the guy down the street. You're fighting the guy around the corner. You're fighting the guy in the next city. You're fighting folk you don't even know. When in the name of God do you have time to preach the gospel for fighting people? And, and, and that is, that is, you can say it. You can get mad with me. You can turn me off if you're watching me. But you can say what you want to say. That's the trick of the enemy to stop the church. Make us fight each other until we are so busy fighting each other that we have no time to fight the enemy. So busy slapping each other. You know, you really can't fight but one person well at a time. And if Satan is the real enemy, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, why are you fighting people? 
except that you're immature. Another sign of immaturity is dysfunction. When you don't do what you were designed to do. And, and I know some of us really don't know why God has us here. A lot of lost people walking around in church. I don't mean lost in the sense that they're not saved, but lost in the sense that they don't have purpose. And when you don't have purpose, then you're not functioning. And when you're not functioning, you're not doing what you were designed to do. Somewhere along the way, you got to figure out, I was meant to do this. And then I got to start doing this. Now, whether you like my preaching or not, I know I was meant to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know I'm supposed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know when I let other stuff interfere with my preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have ceased to be functional in the body of Christ. You got to know why you're here. If you know God called you to prayer, don't let anything take you off your knees. Because you were called to prayer. If you know, Margie, you were called to worship, you don't let anybody stop your song. Oh, God. You don't let anybody stop your praise. You don't let anybody stop you from giving God the glory because yokes are broken when people who are anointed to do what they do, do what they're anointed to do. See, when you know you're anointed to do it, don't let anybody stop you. Sign of immaturity is unfruitfulness. Because you can't bear fruit until you come to a certain level of maturity. A young woman can't ovulate until she grows to maturity. Young man can't produce semen until he grows to maturity. Trees can't bud until they grow to maturity. And so you have to grow to a place of fruitfulness. Anybody want to be fruitful? Saints, I don't want to just be in church. We got enough churchgoers. Lord, help me preach this. We need fruitful people. We got enough folk breathing the anointing, taking in the praise and the glory and doing nothing with it. My prayer now is God, make us fruitful in this season. Make us fruitful. Make us fruitful. But for us to be fruitful, we have to mature. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18, shares the will of God. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody say, grow in grace. Grow, 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 grow. Don't stagnate. Grow. No matter how long you've been saved, you still need to grow. No matter how long you've been at the altar, you need to grow. No matter how long... You have been doing what you do. You still need to grow. Let's go to the text. My time is almost gone. Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, and he opens the fourth chapter by admonishing every member of the church to be worthy of the call of God upon your life. He says, I beseech you as the prince of the Lord that you walk worthy, that you walk worthy. And, and one of the problems that we have in the body of Christ is people with a calling, but who lack a life that follows their calling. Okay, I'm going to say it again because maybe I didn't say it right. We've got people that have a calling, but their life does not match their calling. I'm not going to dispute whether or not you're called to preach. 
But does your life match your calling? I'm not disputing that you're called to minister in song or you're called to do helps or you're called to prophesy, you're called to evangelize, but does your life match your calling? Because if your life doesn't match your calling, then you lack credibility. Now, I, now maybe y'all don't look at stuff like this, but I look at stuff. And my mother had a hairdresser and you know, she, she looked good she always presented herself well. And one day, um, I was at the shop late, and she washed her own hair. And then I discovered that under that, she was wearing a wig. I said, oh, that's not, I'm not going to use her name, because somebody might know her. That's not Miss So-and-So's real hair. That's a, that's a wig. So she doing other people's hair, and she bald. And it made me wonder. Should these folk be trusting her? That's like a dentist. They ain't got no teeth. Come on, somebody. He's taking care of your mouth, but can't take care of his own. It, it, now, maybe it don't make y'all wonder, but it makes me wonder. All right? And I wonder about a preacher that can preach a gospel that he won't live. I wonder about somebody that sings about a God that they don't really know. I wonder about people that serve in a church, but they serve the church and not Jesus Christ. Something fundamentally wrong with that thinking. So Paul says, in so many words, we are called to be better, we're called to do better, we're called to live better. And if you read the opening, verses of the fourth chapter, he gives some descriptors. He talks about humility. Mm, everybody say humility. If I can be honest, there's too much pride in the church. There's too much arrogance in the church. Too, much, too many people who feel like they're entitled to the church. But anybody just glad just to be in the church? I don't have to have a title or an office. I don't need a special chair or a special seat. I don't need recognition. I'm just glad he loved me enough to save me. There is a critical problem in the body of Christ. Too many of us are losing our position as a validation for who we are. And you don't use your calling to validate your personhood. That's why there are some preachers, you better not call them brother. You're going to start a fight. You call, him, you call him brother Joe. Don't you know I'm presiding Bishop Prelate Joe? Because we have attached so much validation to the titles that people have conferred upon us. Don't you call me. Sister, I'm Reverend Mother. How dare you call me without addressing me by my title? You mean that you are so small, and I said that on purpose, you are so small that you can't handle somebody addressing you by your God-given name. Your mama didn't name you Bishop. I'm preaching hard today. I'm preaching hard today. 
you know, people call me Reginald, and they say, oh, I said, no, no, you ain't got to call me Bishop. My mother named me Reginald. And as long as you call me by my name, you're respecting me, because that's my name. I'm not tied to the title. Pastor's what I do, but my name is Reginald. Come on, somebody. And I believe in protocol and respect and all of that, but that's not my name. And when you attach yourself to titles and positions, if it's ever threatened, you lose your mind. Lose your whole mind because somebody threatening your little job and your little title. Don't call me usher. Call me the head usher. I'm the head sunbeam in this church. Don't you know all the other sunbeams don't shine until I say shine? Because I'm the head sunbeam. That's the arrogance of titles. When Jesus said, let he that will be chief among you be servant of all. If you're going to be the leader, can you carry some water? If you're going to be the leader, can you hand the towel? If you're going to be the leader, can you clean a bathroom? Because if you can't clean, you can't lead. If you can't serve, you can't lead. Humility, forbearance, love, unity. These are the scriptures Paul uses. Can we bear with each other because you know what everybody here needs some work I'm gonna say that one more time can we bear with each other because everybody in every church needs some work and the same way I'm putting up with you you putting up with me somebody be honest with me in here we gotta be able to humble ourselves and love everybody because guess what everybody needs love Love reflects the, the, the integrity and the purpose of God. I need to rush. And he asserts that part of the redemptive work of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ at the cross, was the releasing of gifts into the body of Christ. He ascended, he descended, and then the Bible says he gave what? Gifts unto men. From the word, the gifts is from the Greek word charisma, meaning they are favors released through the baptism and the influence of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say gifts. Yeah. Gifts aren't earned. Gifts aren't earned. You can't, you didn't live so good that God would make you a preacher. That's a gift. You didn't live so well that God would anoint you to sing. That's a gift. And, and that's why we get sometimes befuddled because we think because they got the gift that the gift ought to make them nice. Gifts don't make people nice. That's why they're mean missionaries out there and mean preachers and hateful deacons because gifts don't make people nice unless they understand that if I've been given this gift, I've also been given responsibility for how I handle the gift. And here's, here's the part I need you to make. They're not going to judge you because you mishandle your gift. They're going to judge God. Because, and there are people right now that are angry with God because they met somebody with a gift that didn't know what they had. They had the gift. There's some people I know 
they're called to preach. I know they're gifted to preach, but they never understood that the, you don't make the gift. The gift makes you. And you have to take the gift that God has given you and use it, first of all, to minister to yourself. And then to minister to, do th to those whom God has assigned you to minister. He lays out the gifts in, verses, uh, in verse 12. Verse 11, rather. He gave some apostles. Everybody on the line and say some. Everybody's not an apostle. I don't care if they call them that. They're not an apostle. Everybody's not an apostle. If you ain't been sent, commissioned, assigned, you're not an apostle. You know, you, know, you can get papers from anybody. Lord, help me preach. And the papers don't make you an apostle. The robe doesn't make you an apostle. Pouring oil on your head don't make you an apostle. If Jesus Christ doesn't give you the gift of the apostleship, you cannot be an apostle. Just because somebody rolled their eyes and said you were a prophet don't make you a prophet. These gifts come from God. He gave some apostles. Apostles are commissioned foundational leaders. And one of the hallmarks of the apostleship is proven works. Now, I'm going to leave that one alone. Now, I'm already out. Let me finish it. How can you be an apostle with no following? And you got to have more than your house following you. If you're going to be an apostle. He gave some prophets. And Moses wrote in the word how you know a real prophet. If they speak it and it comes to pass, that's a prophet. If they speak it and it doesn't come to pass, they're a liar, and the law said stone them. Some of these prophets ought to be out there ducking because somebody going to throw a rock at them for all these lies that they keep telling, saying they prophesy. Jeremiah said, I have not called these prophets, but yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, but yet they prophesied. I mean, that, that, that's really the easiest one. If you tell me God going to bless me on Wednesday, I get hit by a truck, you a lying prophet. You a lying prophet. Evangelists are seed planters. Now, I worry about those that say they're called to be evangelists but can't preach anywhere but the church. Evangelists by design should be looking to preach to sinners, not to revive saints. The word of the evangelist is to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I already know that Jesus died on the cross. I already know that he rose again. So if you're an evangelist, why are you talking to me when there's somebody on the street that needs to hear this gospel? Yeah, yeah, y'all yeah, ain't gonna like this. Evangelists don't need a plane ticket to evangelize. Evangelists don't need a hotel room to evangelize. Evangelists don't need an honorarium to evangelize. As long as there's somebody out there that has not yet heard the gospel, you've got an assignment to take the gospel to every creature. Evangelist. Evangelist. Pastors are shepherds. 
They're caregivers. And every preacher is not a pastor. Because if you don't have the spirit to give yourself for the sheep, come on, that's, that's what Jesus said. He said, the shepherd, there's a difference between the shepherd and the hireling. The hireling will run when the wolf comes. Somebody attacks one of the lambs and the hireling runs. The hireling says, ain't none of my business. But the shepherd will stand there and fight the wolves. See, y'all don't understand this. The shepherd, the shepherd will stand there and fight the wolves. What you don't know is from Sunday to Sunday, what I'm really doing is fighting wolves. Fighting wolves. Fighting wolves. People coming after you to steal your anointing. People coming after you to rob you of your faith. Your pastor doesn't work just on Sunday, but seven days a week, I'm fighting wolves. Fighting wolves. Teachers. Teaching is a spiritual gift. It's not a glamorous gift. Teachers don't get the kind of oomph that prophets get. You know, they give the prophet a faith offering. Won't buy the teacher lunch. Come on, somebody. But the teacher, you know, e even in our, and, and, and it's, it's part of our society. It's amazing that we recognize athletes, musicians, um, politicians, celebrities, but every one of them had a teacher. Come on, somebody. Every one of them had a teacher. I was telling my father that the young lady who developed the Moderna vaccine was a student at Orange High School in Hillsborough. And I wasn't her teacher, but I was her assistant principal. And if we hadn't been there, you wouldn't know who Kizzy Corbett was. She had a teacher. Come on, somebody. And you can't be who you're supposed to be, even in Christ, without a teacher. That's why, I, oh God. You know what we got in church now? We got anointed ignorance. We got anointed ignorance because all we got is a feeling but no teaching to go with the feeling. You need the teacher to put fact with your feeling. You need the teacher to put truth with your feeling. Oh, Bishop, I feel the anointing. Yeah, I know you feel it. Sit down and let's get some teaching in you. So that you have more than just a feeling, but you have some facts to go with your feelings. Now, I, I got to close. My time is gone. But why do we have these gifts? And these aren't all the gifts. These are just the ones that Paul names in Ephesians. For the perfecting of the saints. Now, King James put a comma in the wrong place. Because when you read verse 13, verse 12, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry. There is no comma. It should be for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. God is trying to perfect us so we can work in ministry. Y'all have heard me say this before, I'm going to say it again. There are too many consumers in the church and not enough producers in the church. God is giving you the benefit of the word, the anointing, teaching, instruction, and training so that you can go and do the work of the ministry.
What are we doing outside of the walls of this church? Because this is the training place. This is the healing place. This is the place where we grow. But we ought to be out there doing something. Look at somebody say, you need to do something. And some of y'all saying, well, but it's COVID out there. You went to Walmart in COVID. You went to work in COVID. You can spray a track with Lysol and hand it to them with gloves if you need to. But you need to witness. You need to share. If you're afraid to go where they are, pick up your phone and do a FaceTime and say, the Lord told me to call you and pray with you. But God has saved us for the work of the ministry. I got to close for the edifying of the body of Christ. That the body of Christ, it's time, church, for us to build the body. There have been too many destructors of the body. There's been too many saboteurs of the body. And God is calling for builders of the body. Anybody here want to help build the church? Hallelujah. And I just don't mean refuge on Main Street. I need us to build the body of Christ. Because people are going to hell every day. People are dying and being lost every day. And where are those of us that say that God's anointed us and called us? I wish somebody would throw your hands up right now and say, Lord, use me. Hallelujah. I've had, oh God, some failures and I've had some struggles, but I'm, I'm waiting on God to do something in my life. But he said, I called you for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints and the edifying of the body of Christ. Why? Until we all come to the unity of the faith. The purpose of ministry, listen to me, is not to divide us, but to unite us. Because what happens in the church when we come to one accord? What happens when God unifies the believers? What happens when we come to a place where we speak the same thing and mind the same rule? What happens when everybody gets together and seeks the face of God? What happens in our midst when we put aside our differences and say, if you would agree with me, God will be in the midst. Because you know what the Bible says? If any two of you shall agree, there's somebody perhaps sitting on your row and look at them and say, I need God to bless us today. Will you agree with me? Oh God, I need God to move in our midst today. Somebody needs to be healed. Somebody needs to be delivered. Somebody needs to be free. God, have your way. Sincerely hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. 
Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552 Burlington, N.C. 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552 Burlington, N.C. 27215. Or email us info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you and until next time, shalom, shalom.